Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Namihi nui and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. Why is it that type 2 diabetes is more common in Māori and Pacifica people, while diseases such as cystic fibrosis and multiple sclerosis are almost unheard of? A 25-year study is providing some answers. Jeff Chambers, a molecular geneticist at Victoria University of Wellington, tells Veronica that genes linked to the immune systems of Māori and Pacifica are very different from those of Europeans, and that this has led him to challenge the one-fits-all approach to health care in New Zealand. We started this project a long time ago, and it was sparked by an invitation to help the, the New Zealand police and local forensic scientists get forensic DNA profiling uh, up and going. And to do this, we um, wanted to make sure when the technique was available that we could give reliable statistics in court. So we wanted to collect a database that represented the whole of the New Zealand population. So we needed DNA from lots and lots of volunteers and we went along to the local blood transfusion service and they were very helpful and they helped us to uh, to collect samples from which we made DNA and put all those samples in what we call a DNA bank. So these are anonymous people, volunteers but anonymous? Yeah, they're all anonymous volunteers recruited through the blood transfusion service we have no idea who these people are, but boy, are we grateful to them. Those samples were collected with what we call informed consent. We told them what we wanted to do and that we would only ever analyse their DNA for specific end uses in identification for an experiment on the genetics of alcoholism and to improve tissue typing technologies. So you've really started from a very applied basis or applied approach but now 25 years later you're able to use that same database to look at a big picture and look at how genetics and health interact yeah and this is a, an interesting sort of counterexample to the normal model of science um, here we've done a series of applied projects getting dna profiling technology going looking at missing persons databases particular diagnostics and improving um, typing services. But out of that, a whole bunch of basic information about genetic variation patterns in populations has emerged, which informs basic science questions about the origin of, of Maori and Pacific people and their relation to uh, peoples in Southeast Asia. So it's, it's built and answered an academic question that, that we didn't ask in the first place. But um, it's, it's been very interesting and helpful in that regard. It's also thrown up new and interesting sort of applied information about medicine, in particular the significance of gene pool differences between Maori and Pacific and Europeans. And that's absolutely vital because research medicines um, are often genetic-based and are 
tailored for Europeans because that's where the research is done by Big Pharma, the US and Europe. Relatively little attention is paid during the development process to, to other ethnic groups. So if we want to make best use of new pharmaceuticals for Maori and Pacific patients, then we need to get information about them and their genetics for ourselves because nobody is going to do that for us. And I guess now we know that most of the medical conditions that we're aware of have a genetic basis, at least partially, and therefore the drugs and medicines used to treat them will also work within that genetic context. There's uh, the two aspects. First of all, the predisposition to disorders has a greater or lesser genetic aspect for just about everything, but also the response to medication has a genetic aspect. The data start to explain part of the difference in incidence of disorders between ethnic groups and about the efficacy of particular medications for different ethnic groups. Can you give me a specific example? There are lots of differences in disease schedules for, for European and Polynesian peoples. So multiple sclerosis is relatively common in Europeans, as is cystic fibrosis, but relatively unknown in Marian Pacific. Marian Pacific, along with their other related populations in Southeast Asia, have a very high incidence of, of gout, coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, rather higher than, than Europeans. For medication, uh, we could look at nicotine patches for smoking cessation, where it turns out that a lot of Marian Pacific people are slow metabolizers of nicotine, and in fact probably need larger nicotine doses in the patches if they're going to be successful in using those to support quitting smoking. How far have you been able to trace this back to, say, individual or a group of genes? How close can you get to the genetic basis of some of these differences? For many of these things, the, the genetic basis is known uh, very clearly, certainly in the case of the, the nicotine metabolism, the particular gene which is involved is known and you can, you can type people and know whether they're fast or slow metabolizers of nicotine just from a simple genetic test. Cystic fibrosis is very amenable to diagnosis. It's very common in some European populations. We can tell most of the time immediately which gene is involved. The problem is that there are about um, 95 or more different ways that this gene can go wrong that have been recorded. So if you want to find out exactly what's wrong, you've got to screen for all 95 different types. So that's, that's, a, that's a big job. But these days it's getting easier and easier to do that. What about predisposition before you even develop a condition? There's bound to be a genetic background to that as well, just how predisposed people are to even developing something. Yeah, we, we know genes that um, predispose people to particular conditions. Sometimes single genes have very big effects, as in Huntington's disease. Uh, other times they're very small, only contribute a 1% or 2% increased risk. But we're knowing more about those and more is being discovered every day. And we're really at the, the dawn of what's called 
sort of personalised medicine where people will be able to uh, to get screening tests done for all of these variants and know their their relative risk for breast cancer or colon cancer or Crohn's disease or gluten intolerance uh, just just in these tests it doesn't necessarily mean in all cases that people will develop these disorders genetics is not fate in the sense that we're not programmed for destruction by these things but it's really useful to ring a bell and have an early warning if we are moving to individualized medicine or individualized treatment does that distinction then still matter between different ethnic groups? Because the point you made earlier that most of the pharmaceuticals developed are developed for European populations, but if it is becoming cheaper and faster and more feasible to have somebody's own personal genetics incorporated into medical care, does it then make a difference? We can look forward to the day when it won't make a difference. At the moment, um, Taking a good medical history and knowing about people's ancestors really is, is a proxy for that process. But it's a very good proxy in relation to some conditions because it may narrow down the field of candidate disorders that, that a doctor wants to look at to treat or to provide lifestyle advice about. So if we accept that there are clear genetic differences, can you trace them back, how they evolved? Certainly you can uh, look at the the differences between peoples all around the world and trace the uh, the history of human migrations. And what the, the comparison of European and Polynesians shows us is just how much genetic change can take place over what are relatively short evolutionary timescales, although they're, they're very long in human terms. So... Europeans and Polynesians have probably been separated 60, 70,000 years or, or a bit more. Uh, ancestral peoples came from Africa, and those going to Europe turned left, and those destined to, to wind up in Oceania turned right, migrated round uh, India, across Asia, and into Taiwan. And that's the, the starting point for the origin of the, the ancestors of Maori and Polynesian peoples. These are known as Austronesian peoples, and they are indigenous people, the hill tribes of Taiwan, the, the Amis and the Atayal uh, peoples. And about 5,000 years ago, they started to move south through the, uh, through the Philippines into Southeast Asia, and then out towards the islands across um, the north of Papua New Guinea, the Bismarck Archipelago, where they intermarried with local residents who, who had been there probably for 30 or 40,000 years by the time they arrived. And about 3,000 years ago, a brand new people began to emerge. And these, these are the Polynesian people. They're very new people on the planet. And they are the ones who have spread all the way across the, the Pacific and they're part of this big Austronesian family, which spans 30-some-odd nations and totals more than 350 million people. And those relationships are important in terms of medicine today because it means that research done in New Zealand probably 
is applicable to the other Austronesian populations in Southeast Asia and equally research done in Malaysia or Indonesia can be adapted for, for use or tested in, uh, in New Zealand. And it's there we should look for our medical genetic information rather necessarily than to Europe and America. Clearly people just geographically would have been exposed to different evolutionary forces and when you think about gout specifically there is the context of you know gout being almost like a consequence from having previously been protected against malaria the evolutionary path of genetic evolution there has that backdrop that protection against malaria was good at a certain time but now it leads to gout are there any other examples of how one can see how diseases now turn up as a consequence of something that might have been a good thing in the past. There are lots of, of examples of things which um, have protected us in the past but now leave a legacy of, uh, of problems. And gout is one of those. There are many, many um, troublesome conditions around, around the world which are associated with malaria. Cystic fibrosis that we mentioned in Europeans was originally protective against infantile diarrhea and that's uh, changed the the way that fluids move through the uh, intestines of, of babies in Europe and now that we have good methods of protecting against that the condition is an adverse one more and more of these particular genetic markers that we look at are turning out to have associations like that and if we can find signals that particular loci have been subject to natural selection in the past and we have ways of doing that, then um, that's a sure sign that uh, something like that has been going on. So what you're calling for is not so much a complete shift in where we should look, but a, a readjustment to accommodate or to look better after the people who are in New Zealand now? It's an, an awareness-raising exercise. In truth, it's business as usual for the medical profession in terms of taking careful and detailed family histories. And then on top of that, being aware that these differences exist and looking to, to see whether there are particular medications which are better tailored for people with, with one form of heritage or another. And that was Jeff Chambers, a research fellow at Victoria University of Wellington. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web. rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. Ka kite anō 